Hey, we want to thank you for listening today to a sermon from Edwards Lake Church. And we hope that you recognize the message of God as we open his word together and examine his incredible life-changing teaching. We pray that this message will challenge you, motivate you, or touch you in some way. Let's open the Bible together. How in the world we go from that, the regal power of praising God, to a sermon called The Bible is Not a Snack. I mean, that seems like such a disconnect emotionally here that we're taking. And this might be the worst titled sermon I have ever preached. And that's saying something because I once preached one called Scrumpt Dillyumptious. So that's, uh, but I hope maybe you'll take to heart some of the things we're going to talk about this evening. Good evening. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad you are here again tonight. Tonight's lesson is not going to be difficult. It's not going to be uh, just, it's not going to blow your mind. It's not going to be anything that is particularly deep. But I hope that it will be practical, at least in thinking about our, our method, our approach, the way that we approach the Bible and Bible study and what we hope to get out of it. Because what you want to gain from your study will change dramatically the way you approach the Bible in the first place. And we know that the Bible is, is often talked about uh, as a source of nutrition, for lack of better terms. You turn to passages like John 4, and I've, I've always found this a little bit baffling. This is one of those, those details in a story where you wonder what you would be thinking if you were one of the disciples. But the occasion here is Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. The disciples have gone into Samaria. They've grabbed food. They're coming back to meet Jesus outside the city where the well is. And uh, Jesus has had this conversation with this woman while his disciples are gone. But then in verse 27 it says, Just then his disciples arrived. And they were amazed that he was talking with a woman, yet no one said, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar, went into town, and told the people, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. And this is the part where I wonder, if you're one of the disciples, what do you do with this response. He said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And the disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? And then he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And so here, this, this idea that Jesus has that he doesn't, you know, he is so full of and so excited about and so passionate about the work of God, about the word of God, about delivering the word of God to other people, that it is as, as if it is a meal to Jesus. It is that satisfying to Jesus to do the work of God and to teach the words of God. Well, you couple that with so many other passages, like, uh, Deuteronomy 8.3 and Matthew 4.4 4, that Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8 where he says, man shall not live by, and we know this, this passage, man shall not live by bread alone, but by 
Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We, I let Marge, like every word, she, she's reciting that with me. I mean, it, we know passages like that. We know the word of God is, is satisfying to us the same way meals are satisfying to us. Over in Hebrews chapter 5, the writer of Hebrews is rebuking his readers, and he says there in verse 12, although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk and not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant, but solid food is for the mature for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. So again, you've got this principle of the Word of God, our, our work with the Word of God being like consuming food. John chapter 6. Let's get back over to the Gospel of John. John chapter 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one... Who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Jesus often compared himself to food. I don't know that I personally, and you, you can evaluate yourself, I will evaluate myself somewhat embarrassingly and publicly this evening. I don't know that I see, I, I, I value God's word the same way I value a meal. God's word is something I have, something I fit in, might be even something that I make some sort of priority. I might maybe read a chapter here, a chapter there, but I'm not dependent on the word of God the same way that I am dependent on breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I don't see the Word of God with the same sort of necessity and as sustenance the same way that I do food. But shouldn't I? Blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for he shall be satisfied. Do I hunger and thirst for the word of God the way I do for food? Psalm 63, verse 1. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. Do you see that? I don't know that I can ever recall a moment in my life where I literally felt faint for God. I felt as if I had had not enough God in my life and not enough of his word in my life to the point to where it caused me physical reactions to where I felt faint as if I were in a desert land. I just, I, I have a hard time making that parallel in my own life. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. And you without silver, come, buy and eat. 
Come, buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. And it goes on to talk about the value of coming to God as if you were coming to a, ne a never-ending fount. As many of you know, years ago, I, I was a wrestler in high school. And one of the things we wrestlers tended to do was we had to lose large amounts of weight very quickly in order to get weigh-in. And the logic is, as bad as the logic is, but, you know, it's high school boys, so what are you expecting? But the logic is, if I weigh 160 pounds, I don't, by the way, I'm, I'm talking high school, but if I were to weigh 160 pounds, but I wanted to wrestle in the 152 weight class, uh, the way it was in South Carolina, is that you would weigh in in the morning. So if I could lose that extra eight pounds, weigh in at seven o'clock in the morning, and I have a wrestling match at seven o'clock in the evening, I've got 12 hours to regain my strength and regain a little bit of weight, which can give you a little bit of an edge. Uh, you wouldn't think we would care that much about three pounds, but we wrestlers did. And so what we would do is we would lose the quickest weight you can lose, which is water weight for about a day and a half before weigh-in you just don't drink anything you go work out like normal uh, except you put on trash bags and other things that will make you sweat profusely uh, you might get up the day of weigh-in at about 5:30 in the morning and go to the treadmill and run for about an hour with a trash bag on your trash can on the front spit into the trash can the whole time you're trying to get as much water weight out of your body as you possibly can and then you go weigh in and then you got 12 hours to drink all you want and uh, eat and get your strength back up and, and and that was the logic that's what you would do I learned what it meant to be thirsty really really thirsty I've never felt that way about the Word of God. I, th these passages that talk about thirst, now, again, passages aren't describing wrestlers making stupid decisions, but it is talking about this idea of a man who's walking through desert land, dry and desolate land, and there's not water around that feeling of being thirsty and parched and desperate for water. I don't know that I've ever felt that way about the Word of God. We have one child in particular who will, for some reason, just die of thirst when we're out and about. Scream and fuss that they have to have something to drink now, 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 now. And we're like, no, you're okay. No, I'm so thirsty. I have never screamed and fussed for the Word of God. Have you? Now, I've, I've had a longing for the Word of God, sure. I, I'm ashamed to admit that, that that's not as often as it should be. I, I've had habits of consuming the Word of God. So, you know, three squares a day, I, I've done essentially that same sort of patterned living with the Word of God, sure. But I don't know that I've felt the sort of 
desperate need for the word of God the way I would so easily feel a desperate need physically for food and for drink. The idea of scripture is that we are to be the kind of people who are willing to feast on the word of God. Feast on it. That it is, it's like Thanksgiving lunch or maybe dinner in your house, I'm not sure. But that Thanksgiving meal of how excited we are to, I mean, oh, oh, it's, it's, the, it's the food we don't get all the time. It's, it's, who knows how good it's going to taste. We're salivating over how, how great this meal is. Uh, we prep things for it. We're excited about it. We're excited about how much we're going to eat. I mean, it, there's just nothing about the Thanksgiving meal that isn't exciting to us. We love feasting. We should feel that way about the Word of God. And when we open these pages, we should have the same sort of excitement as doing that as unfolding the napkin as we're about to dig in in Thanksgiving. And, and I, don't, I don't know that we develop that sort of longing the way we should. It, it becomes there. It becomes present. It becomes our, kind of our, our ever-present companion instead of the meal that we are excited about. And, and that's not what I read. I know Karen, in December, I think, wrote through Psalm 119. And I think probably several of y'all did that with her. You read through Psalm 119, and, and it is a thrilling, just excitement about the Word of God. It, it is... It is a, a, a display of enthusiasm for this book. And, and again, I don't know if we as God's people have developed that sort of longing for God's word the way the writer of Psalm 119 did. I have a, a friend who recently, uh, they do a yearly reading through, public reading through Psalm 119, and they, they did that today. That, that was their their sermon today. I know other places that would have a fit if all the preacher did was get up and read the Word of God straight through uh, all uh, hundreds of verses that that psalm is. Why? Why? Why is a preacher's commentary more exciting to us than the words of God himself? We need to be thrilled about God's Word. We need to be excited about it. But instead, I think, in, instead of treating it like a meal, what we often do is we treat it like a snack. And, and I was going to put these up one at a time, but my animation didn't copy over. But here's, here's the way we treat it. I, I want to spend a few moments just looking through these different snacks. First of all, the Word of God is not trail mix. And, and I don't know about you, but most of us don't eat all of the trail mix. I can't stand sharing trail mix with my wife because she eats all the non-pretzel pieces and leaves me only the pretzel pieces. If I wanted a bowl of pretzels, I would have bought pretzels. But we do that. We're like, well, okay, well, I like these little checks pieces, and I really like the M&Ms, and, and uh, no, Adam, you can have the raisins, but I'm going to have... Uh, 
uh, these little crunchy pieces over here. And, and so you pick through and grab the parts you like and you leave the other parts you don't like in the bowl. We do that with the Word of God. We do that often. Most places I have been, this is less true here, uh, this, this statement about children's Bible classes, but most places I have attended, the children have a great understanding of Genesis, the Exodus story section, King David, and Jesus. That's what the kids know. And, and they walk away from years of Bible classes with that being pretty much all they know because their teachers have picked out their favorite parts to share with the children and left the rest in the bowl. We have a tendency to do that too, brothers and sisters. That's not just Bible class curriculum. I mean, how many of us regularly dig into those sections of Scripture that we're less familiar with or a little less comfortable with. Well, we, we might force ourselves to go through them when it comes to like a Bible reading plan. Well, you know, it's scheduled, so i got to make sure to do the Bible reading. But I, I'm, I'm moving beyond Bible reading and moving into actually digging in and feasting on the Word of God. What pieces are we picking out because we like them and what pieces are we leaving in the bowl because they're not our favorite parts I actually heard somebody the other day they were talking about a bible reading plan and they were talking about the speed of the bible reading plan it was a very fast reading plan and the person said i like reading it this fast because it gets me through all the boring stuff i've said that before have you? I mean, we've assigned in our head, there's the, there's the fun stuff and the boring stuff. You know, we like Genesis because it's stories, but when you get to about Exodus chapter 20, all the way through, at least through the end of, of Leviticus and then Deuteronomy 2, you know, that's boring stuff because it's just a list of laws and list of names and, oh, we got to get through that. You know, that's where most Bible reading plans fall apart, by the way. Most people do a great job in Bible reading plans all the way through almost the end of Exodus, and then they stop. And they stop because they're in the boring part. I don't know if you've read Psalm 119 recently, but what is the part that the writer of Psalm 119 loves? The statutes. That's the boring part. But if you're not treating it like trail mix, there is no boring part. Why? Because it all comes from God. We do the same thing with the book of Job. I mean, let's get into smaller sections here. We love those first two chapters, and we like that first speech of Job, and maybe even what we call the first cycle of speeches we can bear, but we skip the second and the third and Elihu stuff, and we skip all the way to the end where God's speaking because now it gets exciting again. We've left the pretzels in the bowl when there's so much good in the pretzels. We can't treat it like trail mix. You can't treat the Bible like it's ice cream. You don't get to just top it with whatever you think looks good. 
What I mean by that is what we'll do is uh, we will find devotional books uh, that, that we really like that author. We like the way he talks about the Word of God. And so we'll sit down, and, uh, and it'll have a typical devotion book. You know, you've got your daily reading, and it'll have a passage of Scripture on the top, and it'll have this clever little reading, and then a few more verses to look up, and maybe a prayer at the end. And, and, and pretty quickly into that cycle of reading, we've read the devotional, but we've, we've quit reading the Scripture part. We've quit opening the Word of God. We're just reading His. And, and, and that, that allows us to feel like we've done a, 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 had a feast on the Word of God, that we've, we've had a little meal, but the truth is our meal had nothing to do with the Word of God. It had to do with some pithy saying or some clever story that an author told that related to the Word of God, but we never actually ate the food. That's like going to the stove and going but they're never actually eating. We get the enjoyment of the aroma, but we don't actually get to eat the meal. We can't do that. That won't bring growth. That won't bring nourishment to your soul. Sometimes we treat the Bible like it's a milkshake. We, we like the easy stuff that's easy to swallow and it's pleasant to the taste. And uh, truth is, the Bible's not always easy to swallow and it's not always pleasant to the taste. It's just not. I, I'm going to be honest. If your Bible reading and your Bible study and your Bible consumption doesn't challenge you to be different than you are, then you are not reading or studying or digging deep enough. Because the purpose of the Bible is not to make us comfortable with who we are. It is not designed to be easy to swallow or pleasant to the taste. It is designed to challenge you to be more than you are and to help you identify where the world has crept into your life and the changes you need to make to be more of, the, of, a, more of a part of the kingdom of God. The Bible is not designed to be a milkshake. It is designed to be a meal. That's why over in Hebrews 5 where it talks about the idea of milk versus meat and it says milk is for infants. It, it's for the babies. It's good for babies. It's not good for adults. And we need to realize the same is true for us. But again, I, I, I kind of wonder if we haven't gone beyond milk to milkshake. We've added a little sugar to it and uh, mixed it up and made it even easier to swallow. You know, the Bible is not bubblegum. Not something you can chew on for a little while and then spit out and never really have anything to do with it again. And we, some of times, we approach the Bible that way, that it is, you know, oh, look at this interesting fact. I want to dig into this fact. I want to learn a little more about this historical piece or uh, this this. Uh, verse I've never really paid attention to and so I'll look it up and I'll look up maybe a couple of other verses to go along with it and, and so I'll have a little uh, chewing session with the word of God but as soon as I'm done 
spit it out, moved on, doesn't really made a difference in my life whatsoever. You know, bubble gum is only designed to be, to, to keep your mouth busy. That's what it's for. Keeps your mouth busy. It just allows you to chew for a while. It, it, it really has no benefit beyond chewing a little bit. That's it. Nobody swallows it. It's not a meal. This is not Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory where you can have a three-course meal and a piece of bubble gum. That, that's not the way this works. Bubble gum is not designed to be nutritious. And I'll be honest, when our approach to the study of the Word of God is to just chew on it a little bit and spit it out, then that's not going to help us either. That does not allow us to grow. It took me a while to remember what was literally the most disgusting candy that I could possibly remember from my childhood. And, and I came up with this last one. Does anybody remember those wax candy soda things? Ooh. I mean, it's literally shaped wax with a thimble, if, a thimble full of, of sugary liquid inside. And the idea was, according to my friends, you stick the whole thing in your mouth and bite on it so it'll splash this little burst of flavor into your mouth. And then you chew on this tasteless, yucky wax for a while before you then spit it out. Ooh, never could get behind those things. Some people approach the Bible that way. That it's just a boring, antiquated book that has really no effect on us whatsoever. And so while they are believers and while they are uh, Christians or while they, are, they know it's something they should have, it, it's not something that appeals to them at all. And so it, 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 I, I'll be honest, and, and there, there's no scientific survey I can go to on this, but uh, you, uh, there are some. You go to surveys of the religious world as a whole, and a predominant amount of Christians never even read their Bible, ever. It's just not a part of their life. But I'm finding that to be more and more true even in the church, where we don't read our Bibles or if we do, we read it more out of habitual practice. We get through it real quick during a, an early morning habitual uh, focus on God time where we just read something real fast and then we move on with our day. But there's no actual desire or longing for the Word of God. So, like, I, you know, I like trail mix and I like ice cream and I love milkshakes and, and I'm, I'm no, uh, I, I don't shy away from bubble gum, but... I ain't touching wax candy sodas, those things, ever. Like, gross. And, and there are Christians who treat the Bible that way. It's just not something that appeals to them in the least. It's the words of God, folks. It's the message of the creator to the creation. It is the message of hope. It is the message of redemption. It is the message of reconciliation. It is the directions on how we can be reunited with God. So shouldn't that be something we love? So just on a, on a practical level, I, I want to help you start to 
feast again on the Word of God. Now, I don't know what your individual habit is. We probably have uh, the, the spectrum in this auditorium. We have those who are diligent diggers, who love to just sit down, who actually have to schedule Bible reading and, and study because they need to limit the amount that they will do because they will get lost in it. We, we probably have people on that end of the spectrum here, and we probably have people on the other end of the spectrum who, who don't ever open it at all, and I imagine we have every flavor in between. So I, I recognize that, and it's kind of hard to give advice on how to become better students of the Bible to people who are so varied in their practice. But I do think these five things can be helpful to each one of us as we look at how to gain more out of our Bible study and how to treat the Word of God appropriately. And let me start with 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the Word so that by it you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. I would say our first thing we need to do is be hungry. Be hungry. We need to be people who desire the Word of God. So if you're on the end of the spectrum where you really just have no desire to open the Word of God at all, you're so uh, racked with worries about life, you're so busy in this life that you really just don't have time, you struggle with the idea of how would I even fit it into my schedule. Or maybe it's just I, I've read it. I actually was told one time, I've read it once, that was good enough. Like that, that was the response that I got. This was not a, a Christian, but uh, they, you know, that, that was their, their perspective of the Word of God. It was like any other book. You read it once, you know how it ends, you're done. Like, if that's your perspective, if that's where you are in your study, and you're not hungry for the Word of God, I would encourage you, sit down with me. Let me share with you why you should be excited and why it should be something you love to do. But I imagine most of us aren't there, but we, we might be somewhere in the middle. We might be, uh, it, it's part of our routine, it's part of what we do, but it's something we do more out of obligation and habit than it is because we wake up in the morning excited about where the Bible's going next. Or what will I learn today? Or, oh man, God's going to show me something today that's going to change my life. I wonder what it will be. Uh, we, we struggle taking what is a, a fairly regular part of what we do and a, a habitual practice and maintaining enthusiasm for it. Well, I, I think we probably need to come back to the purpose of why we study in the first place. Opening the Word of God should not be because that's the expectation. Opening the Word of God should be because it is a privilege to hear the words of our Creator and Redeemer and Savior of our souls. That's what it should be about. That we, we should be like babies, as Peter describes here, who long for the milk. Well, we know one of the reasons babies long for the milk 
when you're speaking of nursing babies is not just because they want something to fill their bellies, but because they want the comfort of being held by their mother. There, there's, you know, you know, I, I remember with, with all of our kids, let's say one of our children has, has a little sniffle or a little cold or a little fever. One of the things that, that the easiest way to calm down a, a nursing baby was to nurse the baby because there was just that sense of closeness, that sense of, of familiarity, that sense of be- being where you belong. Well, opening the word of God is that. It is our chance to come and, in a sense, be held by our Father, to be loved on a little bit with the Word of God. And if we saw the Word of God in those terms, that it was, it's our way of drawing closer to the Father, I think it would help us have more motivation. Uh, Isaiah 55, verse 11, another uh, probably pretty well-known passage of Scripture says, starting in verse 10, For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and and sprout, and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word comes from my mouth, will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. I think one of the things we need to do is approach the Word of God expectantly. If God said His words always do what He wants it to do, God's words are always effective in some way or another, shouldn't we expect it to have some sort of effect on us? I should know when I open up God's Word, it doesn't matter where I open up God's Word, what my planned reading is, what I've decided to study out, if I will come to it with an expectation that God is going to use what I learned today to make me different, to develop me, to cause me to grow, well, then I will be looking for those things in the reading that will bring me growth. That's what I should be doing. One of my favorite things about Thanksgiving is not the actual Thanksgiving day. It's that for about a month before Thanksgiving, my wife starts with her little uh, planner going, all right, so what do y'all want to eat for Thanksgiving? And she'll go down the list in our family. Gibson wants to eat this, and, and uh, Con wants to eat this, and Tant wants to eat this, Janie this. Maple just wants candy, so who knows what, what she gets. And, and I, because I'm my wife's favorite, I get to choose more than one thing. Like I, she'll, she'll write down several things that I suggest. But I'm excited because oftentimes it's things we don't often get to eat. Uh, we don't go through the trouble of making those things on a daily basis. So I can suggest those weird things like fried turkey. We don't get fried turkey very often, only once a year, Thanksgiving. And I'm excited about it. And, and for that month, I get to look forward to having this food. And, and generally, the way Thanksgiving goes is for several days before the meal, I get to smell the food, right? Because everything's already getting prepped. We've already, in, you know, we're injecting the turkey and putting a dry rub on and getting all that done so you can smell it every time the refrigerator opens. And I mean, there's just all these expectations for an incredible meal ahead. 
And the expectation is awesome. And the meal always rises to meet the expectation. And God's word will do the same thing. I think we need to come to the word of God with the purpose of getting full. Psalm 36. Psalm 36, verse 8. I'll start back in verse 7 again. How priceless your faithful love is, God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They are filled from the abundance of your house. You let them drink from your refreshing stream. From the wellspring of life is with you. By means of your light, we will see. Now that doesn't mention the word of God specifically, but look how many of the images in that little section are used to often talk about the word of God. A wellspring that brings, that quenches your thirst, that brings satisfaction. This idea of the spring that comes from God. The idea of light that causes us to see. Well, all of this is given to us in abundance. And we are filled with that abundance. Now, this is probably one of the things that I struggle with the most. Is oftentimes I come to the word of God with a purpose and that purpose is not to be satisfied that purpose might be to look up a detail might be to prep a bible class or a sermon it might be to to uh you know have some sort of little devotional reading that i can fit into my day very rarely do i come to the word of god with the intention of being filled to satisfaction but we should. That's how we eat. So that's how we should study. We need to learn the value of the word of God itself, the value of digging deeply, the value of, of consuming the meat of the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you are not ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready, because you are still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? You know, if all we ever do is dig into milk, I don't know that we'll ever really get full. And if all we ever do is, is want to just pull the surface off the top of the Word of God and that, that's as deep as we want to go, I don't know that any of us will ever really learn the value of the Word of God, of how deep it can go. Back in Hebrews chapter 5, in that other passage that talked about we should desire meat and not milk because milk is for the immature and, and meat is for the mature. And it talks about solid food is for the mature. Now, here's what I find interesting. The very next chapter, the very next set of verses, identifies for us what is milk. It says, verse 1, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again. Now listen to this list of milk level teachings. 
Okay, elementary, he calls it elementary principles of the word of God. I'm going to call it milk level teachings. Okay, this is milk level teaching. A foundation of repentance from dead works. Faith in God. Teaching about baptism. Laying on of hands. Resurrection of the dead. And eternal judgment. Now, the reason I want to point out that list to you is because those are the same issues we are still talking about, arguing about, and we consider those to be the deeper issues of Scripture. They are not. They are the milk-level teachings. And yet, that's as deep as many of us ever go. I would encourage us to dig deeper than that, to desire to know more than that. And then I think we need to make sure we're come to the word of God with the purpose that it was designed to fulfill. The two passages we can turn to on that, one of them's up on the screen, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. We're familiar with it. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So there, the the practical, action-based functions of the Word of God, we are to use it for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training others in righteousness and daily living, uh, so that we can help people be more complete, more of what, what God desired them to be, Another passage we could turn to is back in 1 Timothy chapter 1 where it tells us that the law, the intention of the law is that it be for the world. Not just for us, but that the purpose of the law is to to do good things and sharing it with the world. This is chapter 1 and verse 9. We know that the law is not meant for the righteous person, but for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinful, for the unholy and irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for males who have sex with males, for slave traders, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which is entrusted to me. And so part of the purpose that we should have when we come to the word of God is to to be trained and corrected and rebuked and made better people. And then part of the purpose we should have when we come to the Word of God is to learn what we need to share with the unlawful for those who don't yet belong to God so that we can share with them the things that will help them to change and belong to God. Most of us, at least according to my conversations that I've had with people, Do not come to the word of God with any sense of I'm being prepared and trained for work. They come to the the word of God as if that is the work. It is not. Studying your Bible is not the work. It is reading the training manual for your work. Do you see the difference? When what we do, when we open the word of God, is all we do, if we feel like that is the end goal of what we're trying to accomplish, all we're doing is snacking on something that has a purpose to fill us up and get us us healthy enough to go do the work. 
And we got to let it do that. We got to be letting the Word of God shape us. And of all of us here, I will count myself among the most guilty. Because I could use the Word of God so much better than I do. It is easy to get to just read. But I tell you, the real work is when we read with the purpose of changing. And I hope we'll do that as we move forward in this year. If you're not a Christian, we want you to become one. Uh, like, like we just read, this, this book is for you if you're not a Christian. This book is designed to help you. If you'll let us, let us open up it and show you in it what it says you can do to be saved. Uh, that, that all begins through making a, a commitment and being baptized into Christ. And I hope if you've not done that, you'll be willing to do that. Uh, you will let Jesus become your Savior. You will let God become your King, and you will be saved. If you need the invitation to get your life right, and we ask you to come forward and let us know as we stand and sing this song. Hosanna, you're my King. Thanks for listening and studying God's Word with us. We want to help you draw closer to Jesus as your Lord. If you feel some need as a result of today's message, whether that be a need to seek God's salvation or you are just in the need of prayers, please reach out to us. You can find out more about us, including contact information at edwardslakechurch.org. If you want to continue to open God's word with us, please check out other sermons on our podcast or come visit with us at Edwards Lake Church anytime you can. Thanks again, and we pray God's blessings for you.